This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is your Sunday Reset. Our Closing the Gap series looks into racial and economic disparities in the Chicago area and talks to the people who work to solve them. Today, we take on contraceptive health care and education. Now, getting contraceptives isn't always easy. Not everyone has equal access to contraceptive care or education. For women and girls living below the poverty line, the rate of unintended pregnancy is two to three times higher than the national average. And while the teen birth rate in Chicago has dropped since 2010, it still tracks higher than the national average. We wanted to find out what's driving those numbers and what's being done to turn them around. Dr. Deborah Stolberg is a primary care physician at the University of Chicago Medical Center, and Dr. Kai Tao is a certified nurse midwife at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. She's also the founder of Juno for Me, a nonprofit that provides free contraceptive care to people in our area. Dr. Tao, Dr. Stolberg, welcome to Reset. Thank you. Thank you. So, Dr. Solberg, let's start with the basics. When we talk about contraceptive care, what falls under that umbrella? Sure. Providing contraception is about helping patients control their fertility, decide when, if, and under what circumstances they want to become a parent, and have access to the tools that will help them do that. When did you start to recognize that there were barriers to accessing this kind of care? Honestly, when I was in college, I worked in an after-school program in uh, the housing projects in Boston. And it was really obvious um, just from working with young people at that time. And it was part of what motivated me to go into medicine. Mm-hmm. Dr. Tao, as we mentioned, low-income women and girls are more likely to face unintended pregnancy. So are girls and women of color. What do we know about what's behind those numbers? Oftentimes, it is definitely about education. If you don't have the education early on, when we're talking about K to 12 public schools, to um, healthcare, healthcare already is a uh, very confusing process for anybody. But if you are disenfranchised in any other way, it, it makes it even more difficult to access. Now, you started a nonprofit two years ago called Juno for Me to try to address these disparities in Chicago by offering free birth control. Talk about your work there. Yeah, definitely. You know, Juno for Me is one prong of looking at how we can help people have full reproductive access. Um, what we're doing is connecting users to what we call hassle-free birth control, the ones that are usually less accessible and most expensive. So namely an IUD, intrauterine device, or a contraceptive implant. Both of these are considered super safe, highly effective, and reversible for fertility immediately when you want to um, think about getting pregnant. And so what we do at Juno for Me is we're simply a digital platform 
Um, so we don't have any bricks and mortars, but we're identifying inclusive, dignified providers who are really good at family planning. They do this day in, day out. And we connect users to these providers. And the users never have to worry about costs as a stress or a decision maker. And we also provide free lift rides to and from the visit. For people who aren't familiar with IUDs or implants, how do those devices work? So there are two different types of IUDs here in the United States, one with hormones, which is usually progesterone, and then one with um, no hormones, but it has a copper base. And those are good anywhere from 3 to 12 years. Um, I always like to remind people that just because you pick something that's five years doesn't mean you have to use it for five years. You can take it out at any time. And what it essentially does is it causes a local inflammatory process, and so the sperm can't um, swim through the thick cervical mucus. And the same idea with the implant. It is a single-rod implant that's good for up to four years, implanted under the arm, just subcutaneously under the skin, and again, can be removed at any time, and that actually prevents ovulation. Now, IUDs typically cost around $800. How do you manage to provide them for free? Yeah, so what we're really doing is leveraging our resources here in the state of Illinois. We are lucky to have expanded Medicaid. We have a very generous children's health insurance plan. And we also have a lot of federally qualified health centers that have what we call Section 330 federal dollars too, that cover family planning. But a lot of people don't know that. They don't know where to go. It's not something you can just Google and say, oh, great, let me find a good provider that's good at IUDs or implants. And so in a sense, Juniform is repackaging, rebranding a lot of these resources that are existing out there and just pointing to them. So we're kind of connecting the dots. I like to say we're kind of like Yelp for super effective contraception. Dr. Solberg, explain how you think contraceptive care fits into overall medical care. That's a great question. When people are trying to be as healthy as possible, trying to live out their full potential, the decision about whether to become a parent is one of the central things. Um, those of us who are parents know that having a child changes your life, and we want to do the best we can for our children when we have them. And so that means that if now isn't the right time, or if you are someone that doesn't want to be a parent, or you want to wait till you have the partner that you feel good parenting with, or you're economically more stable, that really is part of a whole approach to health, just like eating healthy and trying to be physically active are important to your health. And how is the healthcare industry meeting women when it comes to providing contraceptive care? Well, sometimes we do a good job and sometimes we don't. We are in an amazing age when the technologies that Dr. Tao was talking about, the methods of contracepting, are out there and people have lots of choices in their contraceptive method. But what Juno for me makes possible is helping people connect those services because that's the part that the healthcare system doesn't always do easily and or make easily. Why is it patients. difficult for the, for medical providers to to connect those dots? Well, I think more and more we are focusing on patient-centeredness in healthcare. But traditionally, you know, it's your doctor's office might be open 8.30 to 5 p.m. And if you get there and you've gotten the day off of work and you've gotten childcare and you're told, I'm sorry, we don't provide that kind of method here, you're going to have to come back in another day. The office may not see that as a real problem. They may just say, well, come back. But for the patient who rearranged their life to be there, not getting the services you need at a time that really works for you or in a way or in an affordable, accessible way that really works for you can be a major a major burden. Well, we should also mention that there are different uh, types of care. You have 
uh, secular uh, providers, and then you have religious providers. And how does that fit into whether women are able to access the kind of care you're describing? That's an important question. So not all religions that sponsor health care are the same, um, but specifically the Roman Catholic Church does not condone the use of modern contraceptives. And so the birth control methods that Dr. Tao was talking about, or even birth control pills or the shot or the patch, are not allowed under what's called the Ethical and Religious Directives for Catholic Healthcare Services, which is a document written by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops and that all Catholic healthcare facilities have to follow. But unfortunately, a lot of patients, a lot of the general public don't know that or um, may not even identify that their healthcare provider is in a Catholic uh, affiliated organization. And so uh, getting the word out about what services people can get and where I think is really important. And I should say we did reach out to two major Catholic healthcare providers in Chicago, Loyola University of Chicago and Amita Health for comment. We didn't hear back, but the invitation for comment still stands. You mentioned, Dr. Tao, you mentioned education and the importance of that that part of this equation. Where is the education part of this falling apart? There's education that we start, we talk about from school, right? K through 12 education. Here in the city of Chicago, at least with Chicago Public Schools, I think, you know, they are doing a great job of really um, pulling together all the evidence-based data and ensuring that there is both funding, which was recently headlined, um, thinking about healthcare in schools, and teaching medically medically accurate, age-appropriate sex ed, right, that is comprehensive and not just pick and choose what you want to do. And so um, I think we're making inroads there definitely with our Chicago public school systems. Education, on the other hand, is just where you're getting information, especially where do young people and youth get information. We know social media is probably their primary outlet versus mass media. And unfortunately, with the advent of that, there has been a lot of misconceptions and myths that circle around contraception. Some of it is very much grounded in some historical reasons why someone may feel something is bad or cause problems, because there was some real historical data about that. But I think now with social media, and you can post anything that is not fact-checked at all, it really uh, gets compounded. And so then there becomes a lot of non-facts about what is good birth control. Well, Dr. Stelberg, speaking of, of education, how well are providers, both in secular medical institutions And religious medical institutions, how prepared are they to have these conversations with patients? Not as well as we should be. You would think that this would be routine in medical school curriculum, nursing school curriculum, and residencies, OBGYN, family medicine. And unfortunately, we're not all meeting that standard. Actually, there's an organization called Midwest Access Project that specifically helps train healthcare providers and future healthcare providers who are really wanting to provide full scope, comprehensive reproductive health care to their patients. And Midwest Access Project hears from students and medical residents, many of whom are in Catholic or other other religiously affiliated um, hospitals or schools, some of which are not, are in secular schools or hospitals and are just still not accessing that education. And um, what's what I find heartening is that the learners want to be able to provide these services for their patients. They recognize how important it is. And so, you know, I think we need to make sure that 
where the care is provided. So in the great clinics that um, Juno for Me refers uh, patients to, and in places where full scope family planning is provided, that we also allow learners in and let the future generation of healthcare providers really have those skills. Dr. Stolberg, I just want you to drill down a little bit more into why we see these barriers to access for women in low-income households and women and girls of color. So I think there are a lot of things that contribute to those disparities, but I'm going to drill down on the issue of religious health care that we were talking about earlier, and specifically ways in which your insurance may shuttle you to hospitals that unknowingly do not provide full-scope reproductive health care, unknowingly meaning for the patient not having that information. Um, We did a study looking at enrollment in the Medicaid managed care plans in Illinois, and um, specifically in Cook County, 38% of birthing hospitals in Cook County are Catholic. But when you look at the Medicaid managed care plans that were available to women, this was in 2018, five of the seven plans actually had a greater saturation of Catholic hospitals than the county as a whole. And women of color were more likely to be enrolled in those five plans than in the lower saturation plans. That's problematic because if you are so lucky as to have insurance and you open up the book or go online and say, where can I go with this insurance? You're going to go to the hospitals that it's covered, right? That's why you have insurance is so that your care is covered. And if that uh, pushes you to a hospital that doesn't provide full scope services, that's a real disadvantage. Dr. Tao, your thoughts? Previously, I was at the health department and we were looking at some numbers specifically about teen births, 15 and 19 year olds. And we see that black and Latina ex-teens were five times more likely to have a teen birth than white teens. This tells us, you know, it's not because we know that white people, white youth are having less sex, right? They clearly have more education access. And very much similar to what Dr. Stolberg was talking about when we look at healthcare. Uh, deserts, right? Places where you have good, high-quality, comprehensive reproductive health care. They're not in those areas where we think about that have, you know, are less well-resourced. Well, as you said, your nonprofit, you know, for me, is focused on providing free IUDs mm-hmm. and implants. But what are some possible solutions that take maybe a broader approach if education is such an issue, for instance? You know, I think where we need to do is work on talking to all types of providers that see women in childbearing year, whether you're the pediatrician, the family medicine doc, the midwife, or the OB doc. Everyone should be screened about what their pregnancy risk or intention is. What we call that is a reproductive life plan. So very much like we did with tobacco cessation early on. Do you smoke? Are you around people that smoke? We should be asking, do you think you want to be pregnant next one to two years? And then from there, have that conversation because that in itself with help us identify more people who may need these services. Dr. Stolberg, how much of that requires overcoming some of the stigma or reluctance um, that comes along with talking about sexual health? Stigma is a really important issue. And I think healthcare providers have an obligation to combat that stigma rather than further stigmatizing. I think, you know, when a young person or anyone of reproductive capacity says, I want to be proactive, I want to decide to delay my childbearing until I've, you know, XYZ, finished school or um, achieved other life goals or until I feel stable and ready to be a parent, we should support them. And If what we're saying is, oh, I'm sorry, we don't provide that here, you're going to have to go someplace else, or we actually just published a paper that found that in some Catholic settings, they're even told to uh, kind of make up reasons to give birth control, because I think the doctor and the healthcare provider 
understands this is something that patients should have access to. But if the hospital is telling me I can't do it, so often they'll say, for example, are you sure you don't have really bad period cramps? Because if you do, then I could give you birth control. But if you don't, I'm not allowed to give it just for birth control's sake. And what that's saying is you're doing something bad. You're doing something wrong when I think it's the opposite. You know, we've been talking about this in in the abstract, but you've both had patients. And could you give us an example of some of the the barriers your patients describe when it comes to accessing care? Dr. Tao? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I hear from users often because I'm not the provider, right? Um, We're referring them to. So these users, um, more recently, three weeks ago, I had someone who was 20 years old. She was at a city college out of state and uh, said she called her local clinics in her state and couldn't find anything that was affordable. She really wanted IUD. So she ended up using Juno for me. She took her Southwest airline points, flew in, took the lift ride that we provided, went to see the Juno for me provider, and went back to the airport that same day. So, you know, that is one very real-life example. I mean, we are lucky over on the state of Illinois to have some of the greater, better policies around reproductive health. But um, more recently here in Chicago, I have an 18-year-old who actually was, ha- just had her fourth child. So she had a 5-year-old, 3-year-old, a 2-year-old, and a 1-month-old. Mm. And she said nobody has really ever talked to her about birth control. She heard from a, something called IUD, and she really, really wants one. And so we were able to connect her. And then I think, you know, the other one that Dr. Stolberg's touched upon, but I had a mother contact me about her 15-year-old daughter. They get a, their health care through a religiously affiliated health plan, and they said they've been waiting for months, and her daughter actually wanted for medical reasons. She was having such bad cramps and bleeding that she was missing school. And she said, you know, we've applied to get this contraceptive coverage, but they still haven't heard it. It's been months because she used Juno for me. And of course, we said, sure. Dr. Stolberg, what about you? What are you hearing from patients? You know, I first got interested in the issue of religious health care specifically because the hospital where I did my residency was secular when I got there and got taken over by a Catholic system. And that is still going on. Um, not too long ago, McNeil Hospital, which was secular, became part of Loyola, which is Catholic. And I saw my patients go through this very same thing. We had patients who had been getting their prenatal care with a doctor affiliated with that hospital and planning to have their tubes tied right after they had their last baby, showed up and were told, oh, now this hospital is Catholic. We can't do the tubal ligation that you were planning to have. Or previously, they could have gone to their primary care provider for an IUD. Oh, I'm sorry, we're going to have to give you a referral. So these multiple steps, these ways in which healthcare is fragmented, um, was just exacerbated for these patients. Well, Dr. Tal, with Juno for Me, you worked on an education and awareness campaign for Chicago Public Schools. Just describe how that campaign worked. I wouldn't say it was specifically for Chicago Public Schools as much as um, we really look at speaking to the youth. Juno for Me was created and was very much youth-driven from the very get-go, everything from the naming, the branding, the look and feel, um, because we know at the end of the day, you know, Juno for Me, I want to emphasize, is for anyone with a uterus of any age from any area. However, we are thinking, you know, it's primarily more for youth and young adults who may have more barriers. But it's really about, you know, what is it that you want to see in your uh in your ads. Um, we use a lot of social media. We now have youth ambassadors. So they're 17 and 24 year olds throughout the city of Chicago who have volunteered 
to say, this is something important to me. I want to be able to have a voice about reproductive health. And uh, they are out there doing social media postings and talking to their communities, whether it's their schools, their church, or their other uh, social events. Really quickly, just as we wrap here, Dr. Solberg, from a policy level, what changes do you think would be most effective in making sure women, regardless of income or race, that they have access to the care they desire? I think we need better transparency about what is and isn't available. I think hospitals should be held accountable. They should have to make it very clear to the public, here's what we provide here. And you know what? We don't provide this here. And so you might want to go someplace else if that's what you want. That's Dr. Deborah Stolberg. She's a primary care physician at the University of Chicago Medical Center. Also with us was Dr. Kai Tao, a certified nurse midwife at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. Dr. Tao, Dr. Stolberg, thanks so much for speaking with us. And that's your Sunday Reset. Search online for our first round of Closing the Gap that focused on disparities in healthcare and life expectancy in Chicago. And look for more Closing the Gaps in the future. We're planning to tackle subjects like education and income inequality. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your weekend. Let's talk again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.